Listener Production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Wednesday, the 17th of March. In breaking news this morning, US manufacturer Moderna has announced it will start COVID vaccine trials for children. The company is planning to enrol more than 6,000 participants aged from six months to 12 years. At this stage, COVID vaccines have only been approved for use in people aged over 16. Dr. David Agus has told CBS vaccinating children is critical to tackling the COVID crisis. So we have to do everything we can to get toward herd immunity. And given that 25% of the United States is under the age of 21, this is going to have to include children. Meantime, Sweden and Latvia are the latest countries to join the long list of European nations suspending their AstraZeneca vaccination programs over concerns with blood clots. They join France, Germany, Italy, Spain and Denmark as more extensive investigations are carried out into the possible side effects with the COVID-19 vaccine. But Europe's top medicines agency says the AstraZeneca vaccine is safe and the programs should not be halted. He's the agency's Amir Cook. We are still firmly convinced that the benefits of the AstraZeneca vaccine in preventing COVID-19 with its associated risk of hospitalisation and death outweigh the risk of these side effects. Back home, Australian health authorities have backed that stance. Chief Medical Officer Paul Kelly says our rollout will not be suspended. I remain confident in the AstraZeneca vaccine uh, that it's safe uh, and that there is at this point no uh, evidence that it causes blood clots. But that's not supported by everyone. The government's own national senator, Matt Canavan, calling for the rollout to be paused here, considering what is unfolding overseas. I think it's clearly time for us to suspend the rollout here in Australia if every, almost every European country is doing the same. Uh, we should heed these concerns. Also making news this morning, the pressure on the federal government to take action after the March for Justice rallies across the country continues. Yesterday, Deputy Leader of the Labor Party, Tanya Plibersek, delivered petitions to Parliament signed by more than 135,000 Australians, calling on Scott Morrison to act to stop violence against women. As leaders, it's our job to listen to what these people are so desperately trying to tell us to understand their experience and to act on it. This is an historic moment. As a federal parliament, we need to be big enough to act on it. Meantime, the Prime Minister is still under fire for not attending the Canberra rally and for what is being described by some as a tone-deaf response. Labor MP Kate Thwaites on the ABC demonstrating the frustration with a broken system while trying to debate the issue with Liberal Senator Ben Small. The Prime Minister could just not be further from what is going on in this country. I was out at that march at a lot of Labor figures and I know some government figures were as well. The power, the anger, the feeling that people's voices are not being heard, that's what the Prime Minister is not acknowledging. And the same Prime Minister that opened his door Are you door going to talk over me on this? Are you really going to talk over me on this Prime issue? The Prime Minister that invited those representatives... Ben, we're office, talking about respect for women in this workplace. Are you going to talk over me? The I think we can have a respectful then. conversation. 
And 99-year-old Prince Philip has left hospital after a month-long stay. The Duke of Edinburgh was admitted to hospital last month for an infection and also underwent heart surgery. He was driven away in a black BMW back to Windsor Castle and in a statement, Buckingham Palace has thanked medical staff and everyone who has sent good wishes. Now for a look at what else is making news around the country this Wednesday morning. To Sydney first, and an investigation has been launched after another baby died at Blacktown Hospital. Our reporter Siobhan Caulfield has more from Sydney. Yeah, Tash investigations are underway after the death of another newborn baby at Blacktown Hospital. The little boy is the sixth infant to die at the facility in two years. The tragedy happened at the weekend and the parents have received bereavement support, the hospital expressing its deepest condolences with the family. It comes just months after nurses and midwives staged a walkout over staffing shortages. However, the hospital says the ward was fully staffed at the time. The death will be investigated in a root cause analysis with the results to be referred to New South Wales Health, while the hospital will also launch an internal investigation. To Queensland now, and a man is still on the run on the Gold Coast after an alleged domestic violence incident that sparked an emergency at a local school and shut down a suburb. Our reporter Amy Drew has the details. Morning, Tash. Well, police are hunting for 37-year-old Mark Lutkenau over an alleged domestic violence incident at Upper on Monday. Police declared an emergency declaration when he was spotted in the nearby suburb of Ormo, close to a state school yesterday afternoon. A thorough search of bushland came up empty though and the search was suspended last night although police do not believe there is any specific threat against members of the community that search is expected to continue this morning in other news brisbane's 2032 olympics bid is set to be finalized during a secret session at city hall next week with councillors having to sign confidentiality agreements the reason for the hush hush well apparently there's some concerns that information about potential venue sites for the games could impact property prices in selected suburbs. If most councillors give the plan the green light, a formal submission is expected to be lodged with the IOC next month. Still in Queensland and drought-affected parts of the state are receiving some welcome rain this week, with Marybrook collecting its best drop in three years, while La Nina has been delivering above-average rain to large areas of Australia during the past few months. A big chunk of Queensland has been missing out on the action. Fortunately, a well-positioned low-pressure trough interacting with moisture-laden air has delivered some much-needed rain to drought-weary areas of central and southern Queensland over the past couple of days. To Victoria now, and as many residents chose to flee the cities during the pandemic, there's a new warning the tree or sea change may not be the best solution for everyone. Our reporter James Lake has this report from Melbourne. It's very true, Tash. It does seem like an easy move to get out of the big smoke to a peaceful new country lifestyle. The latest ABS figures show more than 11,000 people left the capital cities in the three months to September last year, the biggest internal migration on record for Australia. But this is where our health authorities are starting to get a bit concerned. They say rural GPs and hospitals are already stretched and the prospect of more people flooding into the bush will get it to breaking point. The Royal Flying Doctor Service agrees as well, saying many rural and remote areas won't be able to handle a rise in population. It has a target for all Aussies to have access to primary healthcare services within a 60-minute drive of home, but more than 65,000 Aussies already can't access a GP within that time. 
Now for the latest in business and finance news this morning, we are joined by Effie Zahos, editor-at-large at CanStar. Effie, the RBA expects cheap money to stay for a long time following the minutes out from yesterday. Yeah, morning, Tash. It really just echoed the sentiments of what the RBA boss, Philip Lowe, said last week, and that is record low rates are here to stay until 2024. Now, of course, cheap money is great for the share market. Um, off the back of that news yesterday, the local share market reached its highest level since the last week of February, closing at 6,827 points. And um, as we know, and we're seeing it every day, it's great for homeowners and buyers too. Now, there's been a lot of talk about inflation returning and this in turn increasing the chance of interest rate rising. But yesterday, the RBA definitely squashed that and it's taken a strong position on nailing down these rates by buying new three-year bonds. And that keeps the rate of borrowing tied to that, you know, 0.1%. Um, the minutes show that it won't increase the cash rate until actual inflation is in that that two to three percent uh, target range. And of course, Tash, for this to occur, we need wage growth, and we need that to be higher than it is now. And that's going to require significant gains in employment and a tighter labour market. And speaking of the job market, of course, the ABS released the figures um, for February on, on Thursday and said George economists expects, expect numbers to be um, as strong as, say, about 30,000 creation of jobs with the unemployment rate edging down to 6.3%. We'll have to see, of course, but I know we're far more interested about what these numbers will be after JobKeeper ends yes. on March 28. That's what we're looking at. And interesting, in the meet, in the minutes uh, yesterday, they did touch on that the board. There's still sticking by that they don't think it's going to show a sustained increase in unemployment. Um, They do acknowledge that there'll be a fall in income, especially for for self-employed. But look, it's basing this assessment on on job markets and it's factoring in um, things like job ads and vacancies, and, and they think it will be sustained. And new data, this is really interesting, Effie, from APRA shows an increase in high risk loans as market surges, as the market continues to surge, I should say. What are some of the tips we should do if we are in mortgage stress? And this is interesting to note if you are in mortgage stress, gosh, interest rates are very, very low at the moment. Yeah, you would think we wouldn't be in stress because mortgage rates are so low, but but because we're borrowing so much more. And that data you spoke about showed that it was a rise in proportion of new loans with high lender-to-valuation ratios, so, you know, borrowing over that 80% mark, and loans with high debt-to-income multiples. Now, you are in mortgage stress technically when you're spending more than 30% of your monthly income on the mortgage. Now, that hurts a lot more if you're on a low income. Once you hit 90 days in arrears, you're then considered in default. So, I think the red flag here is if you are experiencing mortgage stress and and you don't need a number to tell you that, you will be feeling it. You you need to jump on it before it gets to that arrears. So there are a couple of things. Do not put your head in the sand. Contact your lender. And uh, one good thing that the banks have got together uh, with the Australian Banking Association and and done a portal called the First, uh, sorry, uh, Financial Assistance Hub. I urge you to visit that if you are in stress. It looks at refinancing, repackaging your mortgage, applying for hardship so it gives you all those tips if you want to know the legal side of things 90 days you're late on payments after that a bank will issue you a notice of default you've got 30 days to pay that and then legal proceedings happen look the tip here is obviously you know you probably if you are in that worst case situation and this hopefully doesn't happen but it's best to jump in before the bank does and if there's any positive news prices have risen and you've probably got greater equity in there and that can reduce the losses felt by, you know, borrowers in default. Great tips, Effie. Thank you.
Thank you. Time for Sport Now with Brett Thomas. And Brett, this is a really interesting story. A former NRL star has spoken about why he continued to keep playing despite suffering multiple concussions during his career. Yes, so good morning, Tash. James Graham is one of the toughest players of his generation, of course, with the Dragons and the Bulldogs and a stint back home in the UK. Now, he made headlines during his career talking about concussion when he said that uh, a player should have the right to choose whether they play through the risk. Obviously, now he's retired and we've had a Jake Friend. His future is up in the air after that nasty concussion against Manly. Matt Dufty as well, copying a hit playing for the Dragons against the Sharks. Well, Graham says that he has no regrets about uh, deciding to continue continue his career despite knowing that there could be some long-term health impacts. It's a very, very complex issue and I had to do some really deep thinking about what I wanted to do and what were the consequences of me, okay, I'm, I'm hanging up the boots because of concussion and the potential for future brain diseases, but where was the purpose going to be filled in my life? So he decided to, in his words, privilege the present rather than think so much about the future. So an interesting take from someone who is now out of the game and uh, and obviously this is becoming a bigger and bigger issue. It's a really interesting chat though, isn't it? Because there's advantages and disadvantages and he's very passionate about the fact that he was okay playing on because he could make an informed decision about it. Yeah, and, and I guess the point that a lot of players would be thinking about is what do I do now? Because they don't plan uh, for that to end their career. They're obviously young men with their lives ahead of them. They spend all of their uh, young life probably you know, concentrating on playing rugby league. So it can seem pretty daunting to think about what your life is going to be like after playing, especially when uh, the decision has almost been taken out of your hands. Yeah, good point. Still with the NRL, Brett, and what's the latest team news ahead of round two? Well, the big news came out of South Sydney. Josh Mansour crossing over from Penrith. The veteran winger has been dropped after just one game. He's paid the price for that season opening loss to the Storm. Uh, Mark Geyer says that uh, the coach, Wayne Bennett, is sending a strong message to the rest of his squad. Yeah, brutal. You know what he's going to do in his last year? He's not taking any second prizes, Mr. Brutal Bennett, because <laughs> this sends a, a warning shot to all players. Some of the other headlines in terms of the team news. Sam Walker, the 18-year-old halfback from the Roosters, is in line to debut uh, this weekend. No Joseph Sawali, but uh, Walker playing really well in the New South Wales Cup as well. The Tigers have dropped Moses Embai to the bench. Corey Norman is back for St. George Illawarra. Of course, he has served that one match ban for his involvement in a street fight. So he is the only change to the Dragons side. They lost to the Sharks in round one. So there are some of the headlines to come out of Team Sheet Tuesday there, Tash. <laughs> Excited about the season ahead in the AFL now. And Bulldogs recruit Adam Trelaw has opened up about his exit from Collingwood last year. Yes, we've only got, uh, well, well, tonight, one more sleep until the AFL season gets underway. Richmond Carlton on Thursday night at the MCG. Adam Trelaw will be playing on Friday night for the Bulldogs against his former side, uh, the Magpies. So much interest in this. And as you said, he's spoken about that messy split with uh, the Magpies during the trade period last year. Uh, Now, one of the things that he was upset about was that his coach told him he feared about his mental health with his partner, Kim Revillian, who's a netballer, of course. Now, she was moving to or has moved to Queensland with their young daughter to resume her netball career. Adam was happy to stay behind. The coach wondered whether that was a good move. And that was one of the reasons used as to why they wanted to move Trelaw on. He spoke to Fox Footy about that last night. To have that used against her and turn it into a story with me, that was probably the most hurtful thing because the story that it should have been was this incredible woman who you know sacrificed her body for nine months to have Georgie and, and not play at the professional level.
We've heard about this uh, over summer, not just Trelaw, but Jaden Stevenson as well. And big spotlight on Nathan Buckley. Coming into this season, of course, uh, this is the last year of his contract. There's no Eddie Maguire. Uh, so we'll be talking about Nathan Buckley, I think, almost every week during the AFL season, Tash. Look forward to it, Brett. Thank you. Thanks, Tash. Checking the weather details around the country now for this Wednesday morning and the rain is set to continue for both Brisbane and Sydney today. 24 for Brisbane, 23 the expected top for Sydney. Mostly sunny and a high of 26 today for Melbourne. Cloudy and 19 for Canberra. Mostly sunny and 23 for Hobart. Sunny today for Adelaide, top of 29. Sunny and 31. Lovely day on the way today for Perth and showers and a possible storm for Darwin with a top of 31. And Prince Harry has spoken with his father, Prince Charles, and brother, Prince William, for the first time since that explosive tell-all interview with Oprah. On her show, CBS This Morning, Oprah's best friend and journalist, Gail King, says she has spoken with Harry and Meghan and says there is still a long way to go to repair the royal rips. The word I was given was that those conversations were not productive. But they are glad that they have at least started a conversation. And I think what is still upsetting to them is that the palace keeps saying they want to work it out privately. But yet they believe these these false stories are coming out that are very disparaging against Meghan still. No one in the royal family has talked to Meghan yet uh, at this particular time. And I think it's frustrating for them to see that it's a racial conversation about the royal family when all they wanted all along was for the royals to intervene and tell the press to stop with the unfair inaccurate false stories that definitely have a racial slant. And until you can acknowledge that, I think it's going to be hard to move forward. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the new listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Listener.